You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Before I read our scripture, I I want to tell you something I have discovered in the past year. I have discovered that the time of day is marked by the drink in my hand, whether that is my first fresh cup of coffee when I wake, or the cup of coffee that I reheat mid-morning, or a cold and sparkling LaCroix to pick me up in the mid-afternoon, unless it's raining, and then I want hot tea in a delicate china cup. I think that Freud would say this is a primal form of self-soothing. Our first comfort was milk in our mother's arms. It does not matter what your mother was like otherwise, or even if it was a caretaker who fed you the most. If you are alive, it is because someone held you in their arms when you could do nothing for yourself and fed you. What you had in these moments was warmth and safety, an echo and remembrance of the womb. It was intimacy and oneness to drink. Come to me and drink. John 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone think, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Two weeks ago, I was walking through my neighborhood. I was on a street that didn't have a lot of curbs, and it was a little bit uphill. And what I saw coming toward me from blocks ahead was rushing water. This was not a trickle. It was several feet wide, a little bit more, and, and it was just coming. It was, it was happening. It was coming straight for me. And as I continued to walk, I eventually saw what it was coming from. It was from the, the draining of a fire hydrant. They call this draining, but if you've ever seen it, you know that this is a spewing. It's furious. It's abundant. It it comes out from the side. It looks like one of those medieval pictures of Christ when his side is pierced and, and you have the water coming out in a fountain, in an ark. This, we're told, is what the Holy Spirit is like. Our own efforts at godliness can be like trying to manufacture spit when you're dehydrated. But the Holy Spirit comes to us, flows, happens to us. It it does something in the seat of our affections that, that we cannot bring about ourselves, that we cannot will. This is a cleansing work. And the runoff 
brings water to the, the droughted land of unbelief around us. If you have ever truly brought drink to someone's parched lips, this was the Holy Spirit in you. This was not experienced by believers in Christ when Jesus was walking the earth. John reminds us at that time the Spirit had not yet been given. And so this is why, if if you look closely at the Gospels, or even if you just glance, you notice how often the disciples are inept and even confused. There's this phrase, they did not understand. They did not understand. They did not understand. They did not understand. You see it over and over. And of course, this changed at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so now the most simple-minded of of persons by worldly standards might shame the highly educated with their understanding of the Lord. Now, I have the privilege of witnessing this on a regular basis because I've been teaching five-year-old Sunday school for a long time. What will happen is you'll have one child who asks, does Jesus live in a castle? And before I can answer, another child will say, he's a different kind of king. And then his eyes get really wide. He realizes something and he says, he's the king who's over all those other kings. There's another child who who fills a piece of paper with little tiny hearts around a few figures at the bottom and, and says, God's love is raining down all around us. Our sons and daughters do prophesy, and this is a gift to all who believe. So some of you may be wondering where this is today in your own life. It may be that your life of faith and love feels like an empty spigot. You turn the knob, nothing happens. You go to work. There's that person that you dread seeing every day. You know that you're called to bless them and to pray for them, and maybe once upon a time you did, But right now, all you can think about is what they did to you last week and the week before that. And are they going to get away with it? And are they going to work here forever? It could be worse. It could be that your irritation and resentment is directed to your spouse. It may be something that they did. It may be nothing that they did. You're just jaded. You come to church. There's your friend over there who's, who's feeding the homeless this meal once a week, and there's your friend over there who started a blog to bring light to human trafficking within our own borders. You look at them and you think, I should be doing more. But right now, it takes all you've got just to get through your day. Walker Percy said the greatest question of anyone's life is how to survive an ordinary Wednesday afternoon. Now, some say this weariness is a sign of burnout. You took on too much, or maybe you took on the wrong things, and that may be. Some say this weariness is just the human condition. I would say that the human condition is burnout. We begin to die from the moment that we are born 
And this is why we need the Holy Spirit to have life. So where is he if you believe and yet somehow you feel dead? Where is he? Well, we have to be really careful with a question like this. And and so I want to clarify something. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. How you feel is how you feel. I would never try and talk someone out of how they feel. That would be ridiculous. You know how you feel. But I think that we also know, I hope we know, that how we feel is not the measure of all truth. If you're a believer, he's there. What we're trying to understand is, is has he somehow been staunched? Where is this flow of the river? That's what you're trying to figure out. So Jesus said that this this river of spirit flows from whoever believes in me. Okay, well, we believe in Jesus, check. But I think we know that, that we also believe in a lot of other things. You may believe that that everything is riding on your shoulders. I don't know what everything is for you, but you know what it is for you. Everything is riding on your shoulders. You believe that. You may believe it's not okay to let people down. You may believe that you are entirely responsible for the choices that your children make. You may believe that your worth hinges on what you're able to provide for your family. You may believe that it's not okay for Christians to feel sad. You may believe that you cannot endure pain. It is just too much, and so you must numb it. Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? You'll see it there. You may believe that it's not okay to look old or to have an outdated kitchen or to have dead plants sitting on your porch, sometimes it's the accumulation of these little lies that tears up our soul. So we have this belief in Jesus, but we also have these beliefs that are competing. We have competing beliefs within us. And what do we do with that? What do we do? Do we believe in Jesus harder? Do we try and will within ourselves some greater belief, strain for belief, exhaust ourselves straining for belief? This is not the answer. The answer is the invitation that Jesus gives us. Before he said anything about the Holy Spirit, he said, come to me and drink. Now, to come to him and drink, this is belief. And it does not matter whether your your belief is extraordinary or, or whether your belief is just barely there hanging by a thin thread. To come to him and drink is our belief. And it is from here that the Holy Spirit goes to work, fleshing out those false beliefs from within us. And this holds true Whether you are coming to Christ for the first time in your life or for the fourth time on Tuesday, this is how it works. There's not another way. Now, who is this invitation for? Did Jesus say it was for anyone who has decided that they are ready to get their lives back on track? 
Did he say that, that this is for anyone who has finally resolved their doubts and figured out this whole God thing? The invitation is to anyone who is thirsty. He doesn't even tell us thirsty for what? To anyone who is thirsty. What do you thirst for? Acceptance? Belonging? Maybe help? Quiet? For things to be fair? For someone to care about you? For the people in your life to be okay? You probably haven't thirsted to be rich and famous since you were 13, but even if that's your thirst, anyone who is thirsty, this is what he says. He does not condemn us for having thirst. He asks only that we bring it to him. So think about this. Really think about this. Jesus had backbone. He condemned a lot of things. Self-reliance, hypocrisy, any violation of love, even in our, our thoughts. But he does not ask us to repent of being thirsty. Now, it's, it's possible, in fact, it's likely, that, that you've been meeting these thirsts at the wrong wells. It, it might be that, that come five o'clock, there's some drink that you, you really must have in your hand, and it's not Jesus. Of that, we can repent. Part of Lent is, is figuring out what those other wells really are. I, I'm fairly certain that even if you have given up something for Lent, it, it's probably not from the well that you're drinking from. I mean, these wells are very often a person, a soulmate. Or maybe the well is, is validation. As, as long as you have recognition for your work, your tank is full. Your, your well may be your family. As long as everyone's gathered around the table, getting along healthy, at peace with one another and with God, shalom. What a great well. The, the drink from this well is great. It's satisfying for a time. It's not really until the well has been blocked in some way that you recognize that you are drinking of human origins with human limitations. And this has been the story of the pandemic. So many of our favorite wells have been covered. Of dependence on human wells, we repent. But do not repent of your thirst. Do not condemn your thirst. Don't take this thirst, this, this void in your life, whatever it is. It's probably been born of some deprivation, of, of some sort of wound. You don't, you don't take this cup, this empty cup, and bury it or put it in the back of the cupboard. We take this vessel and we bring it to Christ. This is a vessel for him to come into your life, not just once for your eternal salvation, but in the daily thirst that make up our life right now. Give us this day our daily bread. That empty cup really is you. We are the hollow and dry vessel. We are the infant 
helpless against our thirst. And Christ invites us to come and drink, to drink as an infant. An infant does not ask, am I worthy? An infant does not analyze her thirst. What does she do? She just rests in the arms of the one who is filling her, experiencing that intimacy, that echo of the womb. You must be born again. Now, what does this actually look like? What does this look like in your your everyday life? This is just prayer. This is honest, naked prayer. It it may be that that part of why the the Holy Spirit somehow feels staunch is that you have not been coming to Christ with the, the real thirst that make up your day. And so what we're called to do is is tell him very explicitly, specifically, where we feel empty, what it is that we really long for, telling this to him without any sense of embarrassment or even apology. It is here, in this point of vulnerability, that he meets us. This coming to Jesus with our our, our skin turned inside out, this coming to the one who would say on the cross, I thirst. This is the riverhead of the Holy Spirit. Now you may have caught on that I've, I've kind of been working backwards through these words of Christ. And so there's one more thing that we need to see. I want for you to notice that Jesus did not speak this invitation. He shouted it. We're told that he cried this out. He cried it out in the temple. He shouted this above the voices, above the lies of religion, above the lies of the world, above the lies of your own heart. Anyone who is thirsty, anyone, come to me and drink, and out of him will flow rivers of living water. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.